plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are locked on Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And it's Matchups Thursday as we begin to look ahead to Sunday's home game against the Houston Texans. We will take a look at Houston's offense against Green Bay's defense on second down, Green Bay's offense against Houston's defense on third down, and the special teams and a few extra notes on fourth down. But first, it'll be first down and a look at the Packers injury report, which includes Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews. Before we get into that, though, I'd like to remind you to check out the rest of the great Lockdown Podcast Network, which is the fastest growing podcast network in the world. You can check out Lockdown NFL, Lockdown Fantasy, and Lockdown Texans to help get you ready for Sunday. And of course, check out my work over at PackerReport.com. Packer Report is the home of the world's best preview. And Packer Report members receive 10% discounts on gear through Fanatics, a great way to take care of your Christmas shopping list. And new or renewing annual members get one year of Sports Illustrated. All right, let's go to first down. That would be the state of the Packers entering their work week. All eyes will be on Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews this week. Rodgers, of course, had that hamstring injury sustained during the third quarter at Philly on Monday. And Clay Matthews with that shoulder injury on a what he called a cheap shot Blocked by the Eagles' Alan Barber during that opening drive. Uh, Mike McCarthy on Wednesday said, I just know, talking to the trainers and everybody involved, they fully expect to play on Sunday. Riders didn't have a whole lot of interest in talking about it, saying at his locker yesterday, it's improving. Then asked if it would limit his mobility, which is obviously a big deal in his game. He said, it's Wednesday. I'm not sure yet at this point. And the reason why he's not sure... It's because they didn't practice yesterday. Uh, Mike McCarthy, because of back-to-back primetime games, three consecutive road games, and just the rigors of the injury report, and they've got, you know, they, they, their bye was two months ago. McCarthy decided not to practice yesterday. You know, usually the team practices for, you know, hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes on Wednesdays, and about two hours, two hours and 15 minutes on Thursdays. Well, McCarthy skipped the Wednesday practice. They just walked through plays in their indoor facility at Lambeau Field called the Crick. Walkthrough plays Wednesday, and then Thursday's practice will be about I don't know, 20 minutes, half hour shorter than usual as well. So a mental reps sort of week for the Packers this week. Probably the way to go. As McCarthy said yesterday, this clearly is our biggest challenge from a mental standpoint of our 16-week season. We're playing on a short week. Obviously the stress of the Sunday night and Monday night game, and we're playing an uncommon opponent that does a lot schematically. The classroom time and commitment and focus needs to be increased anyway just because of that. This fits the bill. So the Packers are going to go with a mental approach. And, you know, you know, we talked to Jordy Nelson yesterday at his locker, and he said they're, they're so deep into the season that the timing is what it is. So he, he appreciates, you know, all the players appreciate not having to practice. 
<laughs> this time here. I mean, it's you know, I, I I think it's I think it's a smart approach, even though it's counterintuitive. You know, heck, Green Bay Green Bay is five and six. They need work. You know, their defense especially needs work. But you know, at some point, you fresh bodies are better than. Uh, physically taxed bodies. That's that's the approach McCarthy's taken. We'll we'll see how the Packers come out of the gate though on Sunday against the Texans to see if this was the right approach or not. Otherwise, the Packers placed 12 players in opening injury report. T.J. Lang, the starting right guard, would not have practiced because of his foot. However, inside linebackers Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan would have practiced limited, which is a big deal. Obviously, uh, Clay Matthews went inside. Against the Eagles last week because of those injuries there. Um, as for Matthews, he's uh, a little bit upset with Barber. Is it legal? He said, I don't know. They didn't throw a flag, probably because I wasn't a quarterback. I know all about that. And as for the block itself, he says, I wasn't a fan of it. I have a lot more to say about that. I'm going to say behind closed doors. I mean, it was a cheap shot. It is what it is. So Matthews not very happy about that. Um, as you probably recall, he... Missed part of the opening series after that block. He came back, or excuse me, then he went back in the locker room and took a pain-killing injection. Then come back, came back, which held him up for the second series and came back for the third series and played most of the rest of the game. He said, I got a shot. That helps. That helped out a lot. As long as you have a numbing agent, it feels good. But it's real difficult, especially making that switch inside and having to take on blockers with two hands, two arms. As the film shows... I was kind of tentative throwing it out there and everything. We'll see. We'll try to get that swelling down, and hopefully by the time the game time rolls around, it will feel that much better. So he didn't seem super, uh, oh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, optimistic that he'd play. Uh, I, would, I would say it was definitely cautious optimism on his part. So we'll, that's obviously going to bear a lot of monitoring as, as this week moves forward. The Packers are finally back home after a three-game road trip, and they're right back in the thick of the NFC North race. You want to go to the game, don't you? Well, here's how you get there. Go to SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being at Lambeau Field for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere in just a few taps. I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any other game of the season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats, be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, first, download the SeatGeek app. Then you go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Then you enter my promo code, which is LOPackers. L for locked, O for on. Packers, then SeatGeek will send you $20 if you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOPackers today. All right, second down, and that's when the Texans have the ball. 
Last year, Houston went 9-7, and seven, won the AFC South. Great defense. So they figured they were a quarterback away from getting over the top and making a real push. And when you're sitting down there in the 20s, they didn't like their draft prospects. So they took a gamble on Brock Osweiler, who started seven games for the Broncos last year. Helped the Broncos get to the Super Bowl. Played pretty well, but he faded at the end of the season. And Peyton Manning, despite all of his struggles, took back the starting job and held that through the playoffs. Nonetheless, with a seven-start resume, the Texans gave Osweiler a four-year, $26 million, or excuse me, $76 million contract. Four for 26 is a good value. Four for 76, not a good value. Enters this week, ranked 29th with a 59.5% completion percentage, 32nd with 5.77 yards per attempt, 31st with a 72.2 passer rating. Uh, the Jets' Ryan Fitzpatrick also at 72.2, so basically he's tied for last. And with 12 touchdowns and 13 interceptions, he's tied for the league lead in picks as one of only three quarterbacks with more interceptions than touchdowns. Not good. Physically, he's got it all. He's 6'7". He's got a strong arm. He's just not accurate. I mean, I gave you the completion percentage a minute ago against the Chargers last week. On passes thrown 10 yards or greater downfield, just 4 to 12. And he threw three picks. So three picks, four completions. Uh, Mike McCarthy, look, you, you got to say nice things about people when you're asked. So he did. Here's McCarthy and Osweiler from yesterday. Just watching through the cutups definitely can make all the throws. And I think he's a really good fit for them. I would say it starts at the run game for the Texans. I know coaching quarterbacks, you tend to look at them differently, but I think he's very athletic for a guy his height. He has the ability to play in the pocket and also play out of the pocket. That's what we're getting ready for. Nonetheless, Osweiler's really done nothing to help this team. Houston Cummings coming. Houston comes into this game ranked 22nd in scoring, 29th in yards, and 31st in passing yards. 30th in the red zone. That's the, the big problem. You know, last year, the Texans might have had quarterback problems. But they had no problem getting the ball to receiver DeAndre Hopkins. 111 catches, 1,521 yards, 11 touchdowns last year. Pro Bowl player, a real second-year standout. This year, not so much. 55 catches, 610 yards, 3 touchdowns. So teams have taken away Oz, or they've taken away Hopkins, and you know no one's really picked up the slack well enough to make defenses get off that um, that game plan. Hopkins, kind of like Devontae Adams, you know, six one two fifteen. So he's got in a four five fourth in the forty a couple years ago. You know, kind of like Adams, good size, good strength, not great speed, but just you know he's got great hands, runs routes, tough. Um, last year he had six one hundred yard games. This year he's got just one. And at some point, they need more from their other guys. And you know, they, they used an early pick on Jalen Strong a couple years ago. He's injured, and, and you know, he hadn't, hadn't done much anyway. His number two and number three receivers are tight ends. C.J. Fedora, what's Ryan Griffin? 39 and 34 catches, respectively. Neither of those guys are game, but good players. But they're, they're, you know, they're, they're not, you know, we saw you know, Jordan Reed a couple weeks ago. Um, we saw Vernon Davis a couple weeks ago, Delaney Walker, weeks before that. Um, and, you know, heck, even, even Ertz from Philly can run. You know, those guys are, are not athletic guys. They are uh, 
good route runners and possession guys. Uh, Fedorowicz is a guy I really like coming out of the draft. Um, so that, those are number two and three on the team. And then number four on the team is, is their first round pick, uh, Will Fuller. The guy runs like to win the fastest guy at the scouting combine. And he's shown that at times 30 catches, 449 yards, which gives him a team-high 15-yard average. The other receiver, Braxton Miller, the former Ohio State quarterback, hasn't done a whole lot, 15 for 99. Um, their tight ends, back to the tight ends, when you include rookie Steven Anderson, their tight ends have caught 83 passes, which is like <laughs> it's like 40 more than they caught, or 45 more than they caught as a team all of last year. So they're getting a lot of production there. But... I mean, it's just not game-breaking. Houston, 9.7 yards is their average completion. That's terrible. So that is, uh, you know, Green Bay's secondary obviously has been the sore spot of this team this year. But they played well against the Eagles last year, last week because the Eagles don't have much game-breaking talent out there. And we'll see. I, I would think Green Bay's got a chance to have a repeat performance. And if they do, they certainly have a great chance to win this game. Houston can run the ball, though. Lamar Miller, 881 yards. You know, at the Combine, I think it was like five years ago at the Combine, he was in, in the 4-3, so he's got big-time speed. A patient runner, he sees that gap, and then boom. And, you know, the Packers have played pretty good run defense for a lot of this year. But, you know, they've given up a few gaps, too. You know, obviously, the you know not having Jake Ryan on defense last week has certainly impacted that. If, they, if he can play, that would clearly help. Uh, their, their number two back, Alfred Blue, um, a great counterpoint to Miller. Miller's got that speed. You know, it's kind of that thunder and lightning deal. Blue is a, a pounder at 225. Everything a nice 4.9 yards to carry, too. So good player there. Texans O-line beat up. They have two starters on IR. Rookie center Nick Martin and right tackle Derek Newton, uh, which is why they brought in one of my personal favorites from Green Bay, Josh Walker. He's providing depth. You know, I thought Walker had a chance to be a really good player. Um... It just as an aside here, I remember back to that game against the Rams last year, where it was uh, where Lang went out because of injury, and it put um, it put Josh Walker against the Rams uh, All Pro defensive tackle and uh, uh, Aaron Donald. And I remember Aaron Donald just destroyed Walker on the first play, and Rodgers was running for his life. After that, Walker won the matchup the rest of the game. So he's a good player. I'm not starting though, so I get kind of got off on that tangent there. Left tackle, Dwayne Brown, a ninth-year pro. A former pro bowler, still a good player. Um, along with the, the money spent on Osweiler and Miller in free agency, the uh, Texans lost Brandon Brooks to Philadelphia in, in, in the in free agency, so they signed uh, Jeff Allen away from the Chiefs. So he starts at right guard, and then replacing Newton in right tackle, Chris Clark, a former starter with the Broncos, a former part-time starter. Excuse me, with the Broncos. The Texans running the ball well, 4.3 yards per carry. Osweiler's been sacked 20 times, which is uh, about, about middle of the pack as far as sack percentage. All right, that takes us to third down. That's the other side of the ball. Green Bay's offense against Houston's defense. Texans obviously don't have J.J. Watt, the three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year and the reigning Defensive Player of the Year. Is on injured reserve with a back injury. Obviously, that's a huge loss. And the guy had 17 and a half sacks last year. But the numbers are great. Last year, with Watt and all those sacks, 310 yards, 19.6 points per game. This year, without all those sacks and without 
the constant double and triple teams. The Texans allowing 316.7 yards per game and 21.5 points. That's a difference of about 6.5 yards and 2 points. But that 2 points, I mean, that's, that's a Brock Osweiler stat in my book. Last year, the Texans had 20 turnovers in 16 games. This year, they've got 19 and 11. So they're basically have the same number of turnovers in five fewer games. So I, you know, I, any any difference any difference statistically to me falls on Osweiler. And Houston, great in the situational game, which to me is probably the, you know, every, everybody looks at the total offense, total defense, which is yards. But look to me, and I harp on this every week in, in the world's best preview. To me, it's the situ, situational game. Houston's defense seventh on third down, eighth in the red zone. Uh, we had Brian Cushing, the uh, longtime Texans linebacker, in our conference call yesterday. Here's what I had to say about moving on without Watt. Obviously, we've changed a little. A lot of guys have had to step up in his place. We understand that he's a player that will never fully, excuse me, never fully be replaced. But everyone coll- collectively can help out and try to piece it back together as best we can. You can't replace a player like that. Everyone collectively has to step up their effort, and they've certainly done that. Houston's front seven is, is still an excellent, excellent group. Um, they're, Jadavion Clowney, the former number one pick in the draft, starts at left end in their, in their base defense. But, you know, he, he lines up everywhere. He, you know, he'll line up an outside linebacker in there three, four times. He'll line up as an interior rusher at times. I mean, he's a, he's a lot like Julius Peppers and Dayton Jones in that regard. Um. Whitney Merciless has, has really been their standout at outside linebacker. Maybe, maybe their best guy in their front seven. He had 12 and a half sacks last year, if I recall. The inside linebackers, the aforementioned Brian Cushing and Bernardrick McKinney. And then at nose tackle, you got 35-year-old Vince Wilfork. Clowney, Merciless, Cushing, Wilfork, all former first-round picks. McKinney, as you might remember um, before last year's draft, where he was in the, you know, in the mix to be Green Bay's first-round pick. And by in the mix, I mean a popular guy among the media folks. I have no idea what the Packers thought of him. Um, but he was a second-round pick. Um, Clowney getting a lot of headlines this year. He got a lot of negative headlines his first few years because of injuries and whatnot. Um, he's certainly living up to that this year. Team-high 12 tackles for losses. And Merciless, uh, 12 sacks last year. I think I said 12 and a half a minute ago. He had 12 sacks last year. A team-high four and a half this year. McKinney, 101 tackles. That's more than twice as many as anybody else in the team. He's also got four sacks. Houston's run defense is really, really good. Um, never mind the, the season stuff. If you go back over the last four games, they're allowing 58.8 yards per carry and no touchdowns. Both of those are number one in the league. And last week, they held San Diego's Melvin Gordon to 70 yards on 17 carries. So Houston stops the run. And then they go get the passer. And this is this will be a big matchup with Rodgers. Obviously, that hamstring injury, limiting his mobility. The Packers are going to have to protect him. They obviously did a great job against the Eagles pass rush last week. Philly's pass rush, statistically better than the Texans. And statistically similar to the Texans in the fact that they don't have a, a ace pass rusher, but they have a whole bunch of guys capable of getting there. So we'll have to see where McCarthy is. Or excuse me, McCarthy. We'll have to see where Rodgers is mobility-wise. Uh, McCarthy asked about that yesterday, mentioned that they'd have to find, quote, more answers for later in the time clock um, because of Rodgers' potential 
lack of mobility. Because of that pass rush detection, Scott, they have 26 as a team and a lot of diversity. Uh, they are fifth against the pass, and that's even with their top corner, Kevin Johnson, a, uh, a former first-round pick on IR. The Texans' top three corners, Jonathan Joseph, A.J. Bouye, and Kareem Jackson. Jackson, a first-round pick in 2010, has a franchise record 13 picks, one this year. He is their slot guy. Brings a lot of size to that spot at six foot. Um, excuse me, at 5'11". Um, on the perimeter, Joseph and Boye, um, 11 passes defense and 9 defense, respectively. Joseph, an ageless guy, 11th year pro, um, an all-pro slash pro bowler in 11, 12, and 13. Still a good player. Boye has really been a surprise to them. He's covered well, also a bit, a bit handsy. He's got five penalties the last four games, including three last week. At safety, Quinton Demps. Is, uh, got, he's got two two picks, susceptible to double moves. The Chargers got him for a touchdown last week. Um, you know, go, you, 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 you aforementioned inside linebacker tandem of, of McKinney and Cushing, not real good coverage guys, which is the reason why I think McKinney has four sacks. You know, I mean, kind of, I kind of think back to when AJ Hawk was the Packers linebacker late in his career. We really became a liability against the pass. Well, you know, how, how did they get around it? Well, they just blitzed him all the time. I think it's kind of the same deal with McKinney. Um, and that was the knock on him coming out of Mississippi State. He's big. He's athletic. Just didn't add up in the passing game. I think it's kind of an instinct sort of thing. So basically, I'm passing down. It's it's uh, go get him. So Texas are have, or the Packers have to be aware of of a lot of pressure and a lot of blitzing from Houston's defense, and that really puts the the onus on all those mental reps on a short week. And that takes us to fourth down. That's a the quick look at the special teams. Green Bay special teams is great against the Eagles. And, you know, I thought for sure that they, they'd be a reason why they lose the game. So the reason why they won. Now, the challenge here, you know, statistics, blah, 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 blah. statistically, Houston's been pretty bad. Their, their kickoff return toward the bottom of the league with an 18.6-yard average. Um, they have some injuries back there, and they're going to go with Akeem Hunt. Only one run back this year, but that went for 39 yards on punts. Irvin handled that as well. He had a respectable 10.6-yard average on punt returns. He's out. So the first-round pick, Will Fuller, is back there. He's got a 67-yard touchdown. With that speed, kind of like Trevor Davis with the Packers, with that speed, he's a threat. Um, The punter, Shane Leckler. I think he's like 400 years old. The guy's leg is corked, (laughs) to use a baseball term. He's averaging 48.5 yards of punt at age 40. Unbelievable. His net is 39.6, however, is actually worse than Green Bay's Jake Shum, who's up to 40.6. But but he can bomb the ball, and Green Bay's punt return is done next to nothing. You know, Davis had that 155-yarder, has been benched, and Green Bay's gone with, with Cobb and, and Micah Hyde back there. It'd be interesting to see what, if Green Bay goes back to Hyde at some point. Now they're getting a little healthier in the secondary, or if they stick with Cobb because of the hands, or if they give Davis another crack at things. Um, the kicker, Nick Novak. He is perfect from inside of 40, from long range, 5 out of 7, from 40 to 49, and 2 out of 5 from 50-plus. You know, he's, he's kicked a fair number of touchbacks. We'll see. You know, it, it is December football, and it's, it's going to be a, a chilly day at Lambeau Field. I think 37 and a chance of snow is the forecast. 
You know, I, I don't I don't think touchbacks are a realistic thing to hit consistently and can put a put the pressure on the kick coverage for both for both teams to uh to combat any for field position. And uh, yeah, just an extra a couple extra points here. Mike McCarthy looking for his 110th career victory on Sunday. That'd be regular season wins. Um, that'd make him to 36th coach to reach that milestone. Also this week, players can wear whatever kind of shoe they want as far as designs and stuff. It's kind of a special deal around the league. Aaron Rodgers will be wearing Mac Fun shoes. And if you have followed Rodgers' career closely, you probably know about the Mac Fun. If you're, if you're a Wisconsin listener... Um, you know about the Mac Fun probably as well. It is uh, Midwest Athletes Against Childhood Cancer. Look, there's nothing worse in the world than cancer. I'm sure every one of you has a loved one who's been afflicted with cancer, whether it's you know in the immediate family, extended family. It's a horrible thing. And there's nothing worse than a kid having cancer and being sentenced to that for the rest of his life. So this is a, a charity that's near and dear to Rogers Hart, he was asked about that uh, at his locker yesterday. He said, "I'm going to be wearing some specially designed Mac Fun cleats that Adidas put together for me. They're multicolored, which is awesome. But the Mac Fun has been near and dear to my heart for a number of years now, as I've gotten to know John Kerry, the president there, and many of the kids and families over the years. It's a special organization. They do some incredible work, and just fortunate to be able to lend my name to such a great cause. It's helping so many kids and families continuing this fight." against cancer, especially for kids. And finally, a humorous quote from Jordy Nelson. It's good to be home, right? Well, you know, the Packers have used to be a dominant home team. They have not been that this year. They've, they've lost at home to Dallas and Indianapolis. Here's Jordy Nelson with a, with a fun quote. It's good to be home, but as we've learned over the last couple of years, it doesn't guarantee anything for us. We've got the same mindset as if it's a road game. We might get booed more at home than we do on the road. I don't know if that's a positive or not. So that's, uh, that's a, to me, a great way to wrap up today's show. Thank you, as always, for listening and for making this podcast possible. As I've mentioned, I wouldn't do it without you. And I definitely would not do it without you because I don't need to listen to myself for a half hour every day. Thanks for listening, everybody. I truly, truly appreciate it. Have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.